Hi, this is Rick Wenner, and you're listening to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast. Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your hosts, Glenn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hello and welcome back to the show that is called He Shoots, He Draws, and it's called that for a reason, because he shoots, Glenn. That's me, hello. And he draws, that's me, Dave, which sounds a bit silly talking about me in the third person, but we're Glenn and Dave, we're back. Hello, thank you for joining us. Thank you very uh, much been a good start to the year mate as well it's been a cracking start i mean it's great ending off the way we did with like a little bit of a roundup thing vincent versace's his his episode is still doing really really well oh which is yeah. great uh amazingly people like to hear episodes with just me and you chatting yeah um, as some people call it friendly ranting <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit of a step back in time wasn't it last week's episode when we had a yeah. bit of a rant in, in fact um there's a company called he he creative in essex mm-hmm. and um we share a little book book sharing thing on instagram where we we both share books and then end up both buying them and they'd listen to the podcast brilliant and uh and they uh, and they said it's charlotte i can't remember the guy's name it's charlotte and they said that they need to now go back and listen to all our early episodes <laughs> to hear the original rants so i told them to go back and if you're new to the show um Don't. if you go back to yeah like to the first say 12 15 episodes mostly when it's me and glenn talking yeah. we actually recorded some fake ads uh, we actually paid voiceover artists and we created a little series of ads that were just tongue in cheek, but that kind of wrapped up what the message we were trying to get across. So if you get a chance, go back and listen to them because uh, we enjoyed that. And there could be more in the future. Yes. And, could and well Glenn, be. Glenn, speaking of technology, uh-huh. you would not believe this. Okay. So it's genuine, absolutely genuine. <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to ask Siri a question. Okay. Okay. And we'll see what and we'll see what Siri says as its answer. Okay. Go on then. Right, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Hey Siri, what's the best podcast in the world? The best podcast in the world is He Shoots. He draws with Glenn Lewis and Dale Clayford. With well, who? it's close <laughs> enough with Glenn Lewis and Dale Clayford, but thanks, <laughs> thanks for, for getting. <laughs> I prefer that to Glum Davis. I must admit, yeah. which is what the iPhone true, calls me. True, true story. We are the best podcast. There you go. Not in the world, you know, but we're we're we're, we're getting there. we're a good podcast, and we are in the world. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so right. um, so yeah, today we have uh, we have an interview, that, and this is one that Glyn conducted. I haven't heard it yet, so I, I do like that because I get to hear it on the day it comes out with everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to talk about that in a minute. When it comes out Friday, as we mentioned last week, we are going to be at the society. I don't know why I'm doing hand gestures because no one can see this. Only I can see um, them. Yeah, we're going to be at the societies at Hammersmith Novotel, I think, yep. in London. Uh, you're going to be there for a few days, but I'm just going to be meeting you Friday night and, and all day Saturday to catch up with some friends. So, um, And you're doing some sessions, aren't you? Yeah, I've got, I think it's roughly three or, yeah, I think it's three sessions on the Friday and Saturday. I was going to be there on the Thursday because yeah. uh, it's a three-day three day event, but I'm now going to be at a funeral uh, or I will have been at a funeral on the Thursday. And I don't know did, if we mentioned this in the last episode. I can't remember now, but this is... Uh, oh, Nathan. Nathan, Nathan uh, Black, who we did a, a, an episode with when he talked about the trials that he's had to face. Um, 
his his father passed away very yeah. soon after Christmas. So I'm going to um, going to sort of pay my respects and give Nathan and his family a bit of support. So me and yeah. Anna are going to that. So that's why I'm not there on the Thursday. Uh, but yeah, there Friday and Saturday doing some sessions with the Flash Centre. Uh, got some new stuff I'm doing this year. We're actually going to do a couple of shoots inspired by Platon. So uh, mm. yeah, new stuff. And just just mentioning Nathan there is mm-hmm. the episode we did a couple of weeks ago, the power of photography. Yes, we had some lovely feedback from that, where people kind of just mirroring what you'd said is they had like loved ones and lost loved ones and they had special photographs and and a lot of them are saying i'm going to go out now make an effort to go and like get those photographs of family there's been there's been quite a few responses i know you've had some i certainly had some i I had one this morning actually on the day that we're recording this and it was a guy that said he'd been in touch with his daughter so that he's literally just thought he thought about his grandkids when he was listening to the episode and he's now booked a session to go and photograph specifically go and photograph his grandkids because the episode made him think of doing it which is which is brilliant so i guess out of something not so good something good's coming from it yeah absolutely which is what the episode was about so What's this week's episode about, Glenn? Well, this week's episode is an interview with somebody that I've known now for pretty much all the time that I've been in this uh, whole photography creative world. It's a guy, a friend of mine called Rick Wenner, who is a, uh, I would have said, he's a photographer based in New York. But you'll hear when he starts, things have changed for Rick because his career has somewhat skyrocketed over the last couple of years things have really really taken off for rick and he is now a celebrity photographer based in new york wow. uh, he's, he's he's got phenomenal uh portfolio he's a proper down-to-earth grounded kind of guy but it was actually zach arias a mutual friend of ours that introduced me and rick together through uh the involvement in the one light workshops that zach used to do and we've kind of kept in touch ever since um but yeah, it, it's it was a it was great to catch up with Rick. It was like we'd spoken yesterday. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, but for those who are now listening to this, I would say that it's, it's actually again we seem to have a habit of doing this. It's a very powerful episode. There's some really good insights that Rick gives into his world and how he got into it. But I would probably say about three quarters of the way through, make sure you listen to it because oh my god, what he talked about stopped me in my tracks. Very powerful, strong stuff. And speaking of powerful stuff, a serious moment now. You've mm-hmm. actually been working on something today that you wanted to announce that should be live by the time the episode goes out. That was due to something, one of your shoots and one of our episodes. Yeah, absolutely. Thank. Yeah, cheers for reminder there. Actually, I, was, I almost didn't mention that. It's um, okay. So people who followed me for a while, they'll know that I'm doing this World War Two project. One of the guys that I've had the great fortune of meeting. Because of it is D-Day veteran uh, Ted Owens, 95 years old now, Ted, who lives alone over in West Wales. Uh, I did a short video after I'd, after I'd done the photo shoot with him to explain why I was upset about what I'd learned about Ted and the fact that there's a guy now who who did what he did during the war. You know, uh, just incredible bravery, selflessly fought for the kind of freedoms that you and me and everyone listening now is experiencing because of people like Ted. And here I am, I, I speak to his carer, his best friend and carer, who tells me that Ted worries every single month about can he afford his rent, can he afford to pay for his heating bills, and he's having to kind of decide whether or not, do I go and get myself a nice bit of food from the butchers, treat myself to a bit of meat, or do I pay my heating bill? And 
I, I can talk about it now, but at the time, I was I was genuinely upset about that because I thought, what the hell has gone wrong? Why is this D-Day veteran, somebody we owe so much to, why is he in his later years now, his mid-90s, why is he even worrying about stuff like that? So long story short, I have now set up a GoFundMe, which is now live, and the web address, uh, we'll put the details in the show notes, yeah. but it's GoFundMe-help-ted-owens. And uh, I just want to raise enough money to pay for Ted's rent for the year and all his heating bills and to afford him a few luxuries throughout the year, even if that just means a packet of sausages ever had again. Yeah, and we're not even talking a large amount of money, are we? Exactly, mate. The ho- to cover the whole lot, to completely change his life so that he goes to bed at night without stressing about money, which he should not be doing. No. To, I reckon £2,500 is the maximum that we need to get. £2,500. And that will cover the whole of this year. Now, the great thing is we've got some amazing support for this. And all I'm asking is people to make a donation. You know, if you can afford to pay a fiver towards this donation, fantastic. Those who do make a donation, if you're a photographer, if you're into retouching, or if you know somebody that's into retouching, I will send you a copy of my HomeGuard full-length downloadable tutorial. But there's also other prizes. Those in the UK will know of a program called SAS Who Dares Wins. Uh, there's a guy called Mark Llewellyn who's involved with the guys on that, and he's actually given away three VIP tickets to the people who give away or g- donate the largest amounts. And that, that could end up being a tenner each, but you can get VIP yeah. tickets to go to one of Mark Billingham's tour dates that he's doing in the UK. So it's... it's That's nice of him. Let's just do it. Let's change his life, for God's sake. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It is sad that, you know, you've got these guys that are this age that... All right, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of old people in the country who, who like... All, have the same kind of problems but when you're looking at you know d-day veterans a guy that's gone through all that mate mate if i could i know what you're saying but if i could i'd do this for every single one of them yeah but ted is somebody that i've got to meet i've sat in his house i've talked to him i i've he's touched my heart and i you know if anybody else knows of other people that are struggling then do the same come on we shouldn't let these people you know they're not getting any younger surely i don't know you know without being kind of blunt here we don't know how long ted's got left no why why would he let's let's help him to have a stress fee a stress-free rest of his life no that's good we'll put the links um we'll probably do a couple of social media posts specifically for this and we'll put it in all the show notes as well make sure it's on all the podcast apps so everyone can see it but no that's that's fantastic cause mate and we'll we'll give it lots of promotion cool because so let's get let's give ted a good 2019 and also you know if you if you do know anyone like ted you know a veteran or someone who's you know done something for the country who's on hard times you go go fund me's free Mm. just go out i see so many where people just set up such frivolous little things it's when you've got people like ted who need the help just go out and start a GoFundMe. Me, even if it's just to raise them 500 quid to a small you know, amount can bill. make a huge huge difference yeah definitely so right let's get on with the show glenn okay so let's get get on with rick because uh you're gonna love this one so let's i'll just do my usual intro dave absolutely go for it mate. all right let's go for it then so rick who are you <laughs> hey glenn i am a new york based celebrity and commercial portrait photographer and i've been shooting for a Close to 10 years professionally full-time, about 20 altogether. And, uh, yeah, I love shooting portraits. Oh, how times have changed. Here you go saying celebrity photography. Yeah. How cool is that? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that, all right? But, uh, I mean, we've known each other how long now? 
I, I, my memory's terrible with with kind of like times and stuff like that. But we've known each other for quite a while. Yeah, I think we're probably coming up on about nine or ten years now. Yeah, yeah, roughly. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? And as, as daft as it sounds, I was trying to think. How did we get to know each other? Was it through Zach? Of course, it was through Zach. Of course, it was everything through Zach. is through Zach. Everything was through Zach. <laughs> He's got a lot to answer for. But uh, but yeah, we've kind of kept in touch over the years. We haven't spoken to each other for a while, but every now and again, thankfully, the good thing about social media is that we can occasionally, you know, you see that we're we're kind of out there. But I've I've seen a huge change in what you do because I remember when we kind of first got to know each other, you were, uh, I mean, you said there 20 years you've been around the photography, but yeah. I guess maybe nine, 10 years ago when we first got to know each other, mm-hmm. you were... I mean, you were you were damn good then anyway, but it wasn't full-time, if I'm right. There was some kind of like a family business, wasn't there? Right, yeah. So back when we met, um, I was still working for my family's bread manufacturing company. And is it's as exciting as that sounds. Um, <laughs> I, I was actually an art director, so I was doing a lot of uh, design work, uh, creating logos and package design and advertisement layouts and all that type of stuff. Uh, I went to school for graphic design, so that's how I got into that. And um, eventually started taking pictures of different things such as landscapes and macro abstract type of textures and whatnot for the design work. And that eventually brought me a uh, very long story short. I eventually got a friend in front of my camera and fell in love with portraiture. And uh, so, yeah, that's when we first met is towards the end of my design career uh, when I was really getting interested and really trying to hone my craft and uh, learn as much as I possibly could about portraiture. And uh, that's where Zach's One Light Workshop that's came right. through. and. Uh, and then we finally met in person when my wife, Michelle, and I were on our honeymoon in London. And we got to meet you and a few other new friends over there. And uh, here I am. And, I, and I've kind of lost count how many times I've said to you, Rick, I'm coming to New York. I'm coming to New York. Oh, yeah. Um, I and I, about I, that. Yeah, you're kind of like, it's like the boo cried wolf now, isn't it? Yeah, more or less. Uh. <laughs> I've, I've given up on you, Glenn. I'll, just, I'll see you on a computer screen. I'll surprise now. you. I'll surprise you. But uh, I mean, now then, you sort of say, there you are. You kind of you're getting interest in the photography side of it, the actual portraiture side of it, because mm-hmm. you're making that transition from being a graphic designer. Uh, we meet, and then now I kind of see. I have seen it's kind of like legalized stalking, isn't it? You see how people have what they're up to, and I see now here you are photographing, as you say, celebrities. Yeah. So. How on earth and how on earth have you made that transition then from somebody who's wanting to do a little bit more and learn more about portraits? That's what's really kind of floating your boat, what you really do really enjoy doing. Yeah, absolutely. How is it possible to kind of condense it and say, well, yeah, I went from photographing some friends and what have you, and now here I am photographing celebrities? Because that's like the dream job, isn't it, almost? Um, yeah. I mean, for me, <laughs> absolutely. I love I love what I do, and not many people are able to say that about their about their work, regardless of it being photography, design, manufacturing, whatever. Uh, I absolutely love what I do, and to answer your question, how did I get here? Uh, I wish I could say it was a, uh, an easy process, but it is nowhere near that at all. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's a lot of hard work. It's constantly 
it's keeping a camera in your hands as often as you can and photographing as many people as you can, practicing different lighting techniques to finally figure out what you want to do and how you want to do it. Uh, it's like I said, I've been shooting portraits for close to 10 years now and I'm still not happy with my work. I mean, as much as I, I love, like I said, I love my work, but the, I feel like my work is constantly evolving and uh, trying to figure out exactly what my style is. And uh, I mean, I've got a pretty good idea at this point, but as an artist and as a perfectionist, I'm never happy with it. Well, yeah, I, I totally kind of relate to that. But you, you mentioned style there. Style is something that I've always been completely fascinated with. And I, I actually found uh, on Phase One's website, Mm-hmm. There's a, there's like a, a short interview with you, as you know, and and there was some things in there which I've kind of like highlighted, which I felt I thought were interesting because they kind of like rang bells with me that you think, yeah, I get that, I completely get it. You mentioned about your style there, mm-hmm. about uh, I think in here you kind of say that you you keep it as simple as possible. You keep yeah. because your main focus really is the person. Yeah, absolutely. So. You, you kind of what's it say? You, my personal work tends to focus on people that I find inspirational and are doing incredible things in the world. So I want to talk about that. But with regards to your style, one thing I preach is to say to people: you can't force a style. You do what you just said there is you photograph all the time. You're always taking portraits, mm-hmm. and I've taken a lot of inspiration from people like the Mark Seligers, the Annie Leibovitzes, and and you know those kind of people. Sure. And I noticed that you mentioned that as well. But you also say now that you try not to let that influence you. Do you want to explain that? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, in the beginning, when I was trying to figure everything out uh, with this whole portrait thing, um, I've found it to be very important to see what successful photographers like Mark Seliger, like Annie Leibovitz, like Platon, uh, all these amazing portrait photographers, uh, to see what they were doing and how they did it, why did they do it, and try to put that into my work. Meaning, at that time, in the early stages, was just trying to figure it out. And... um, yeah, that was really important to do. Uh, so I, basically, I was trying to duplicate what I saw Mark Seliger do with Kurt Cobain or Eminem or whoever, or uh, an environmental portrait like Andy Leibovitz. And I was trying to duplicate it just to figure out how and why. Uh, nowadays, I, I really try not to research too much into other photographers because I found that it's it's still playing a heavy hand on my thought process as a portrait photographer and I don't want to do that I don't want to recreate what Seliger did anymore I want to create a Rick Winter portrait but and I get that but when you say recreate what are you Mm -hmm. talking about there are you talking about the lighting only are you also talking about how he goes about setting up posing, how the background looks. Is that, are you sort of talking about taking everything from it or was a specific thing? Um, yeah, I think it was really more the lighting. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was really trying to figure out. And uh, because I didn't know much about lighting other than what I got of the one light workshop with Zach. And uh, that was a great foundation. And mm. I think that's still great. I still, Whenever somebody comes to me and asks for uh, reference material, uh, any kind of educational DVDs and whatnot, I'm always 
pushing the one light workshop to yeah. everybody still it's, it's timeless it's, isn't it's, it timeless stuff it's great it's perfect um so yeah I, at the time i was trying to figure out lighting more and uh, that's why i was trying to duplicate in that aspect and then it kind of evolved from that meaning i okay i figured out how let's say a, a seliger portrait how he was doing a one light large octabank very dramatic highlight the shadow and um so i figured that out and then okay what else am i what else do i need to figure out here well it's the pose it's the the background everything like you just said but eventually i figured out that as important as all that is that should be second nature because a true great portrait in my opinion and many others i think is the connection between you and your subject totally yeah and that's where a lot of my personal work came into play uh the first was my mixed martial art mixed martial artist fighters professional that. and amateur yep. fighters and um that started off right around that same time uh this has got a, th that project's probably close to seven eight probably eight years old now and uh, yeah i was i figured out the lighting and i was trying to do cool portraits but they ended up being kind of expected like anybody could walk into an mma gym bring their camera and some lights and create the same exact thing and when i showed that to uh, a, another new york photographer uh his name is benedict evans amazing portrait photographer uh, okay. he suggested that uh, he actually was the first assistant to platon for a long time uh an incredible guy uh so i sat down with benedict and he said yeah these are nice and they're good but i kind of expected to see something like this why not nice is one of those words that you're like i don't want to hear say nice yeah yeah i want to hear great i want your power i want to hear <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm i'm trying not to curse <laughs> i got a bleeper don't worry okay, i can good, edit good, good. i'm learning right, editing. i'm going <laughs> crazy over here <laughs> uh so benedict with his background and seeing where he's gone with his work it made complete sense to only what he said was I want to see something special about these guys. I want to see some emotion. I want to know why they fight. Why do they get locked into a cage with another grown man who is equally or even more trained in fighting as you are? And like, why do you do this? So I spent years photographing about 150 uh, fighters from amateur level all the way up to veterans of, and legends of the sport and uh, had conversations with these guys and sat in front of them uh, and found out who they are, why they do it, what's their background, what's their family life like. And it just, it brought out so much more uh, about who these guys are. All right. So Rick, just stopping you there for a second then. So obviously Benedict says that he wants to see something more to be able to look at the picture and have a feel for why they do what they do and more about that person. So up until that point then, when before you see Benedict and you get that kind of kick up the arse to go and change the way that you're doing it, how were you photographing them before then? Is it more a case of you organise a shoot, you turn up, quick chat, and you, you have a chat while you're doing some pictures? Is it is the big difference that you made having that chat 
getting to know them, getting understanding them. Is that is that what the thing really that made the difference? Not the kit, not the modifier, yeah. not the camera. Yeah. The camera, the light, the umbrella or octa or whatever it means, nothing. It, in my opinion, it doesn't mean shit. It's all, uh, it's about this. It's about the connection. Uh, yeah. I've walked into shoots with celebrities and spent more time talking to them I still had the camera in my hand, but that was just because it was there when they walked in the room and we just talk and get to know each other. And if the time allows it, of course, because sometimes you have five minutes, other times you get an hour or two, which is incredible. Uh, But it's it's getting to know somebody. It's like going into a bar and having a beer with them. And uh, that's how you connect with somebody. That's how you get... Do you find that side of things easy, would you say? Because I mean, we, me and you, when we have chatted like we are doing now, it's kind of, in fact, when we first kind of got this live chatting thing going on, we've kind of both just switched into it again. It was it was easy to start talking again, mm-hmm. you know, like Absolutely. we were in that bar. But do you find that easy the first time you're meeting people? Because obviously some people are kind of saying to me that, how do I talk to people? I don't know what to say. And they're kind of like dry up. Yeah, uh, I usually I do. Yeah. Uh, I've always been a very social person and uh, just always loved interaction and getting to know people. And uh, that's just who I am. Uh, But no, it's not always easy there. If you walk into uh, a studio and you know, Christopher Walken is going to walk through that door any minute, it gets a little nerve wracking, you know? (laughs) Uh, I mean, I didn't shoot him in the studio. I photographed him at his house, but that's besides the point. It's yes, I do get nervous. And yes, I do uh, have a hard time thinking of things to say sometimes. And I jumble up my words and I start cursing like crazy because I'm from New York and that's what we do and all that. (laughs) Uh, But more often than not, I have, but I'm trying not to come off like a complete schmuck. <laughs> uh, more often than not, though, I do have no problem uh, just talking and getting to know somebody and yeah, making yeah, them yeah. feel comfortable with me. And yeah, cool. Well, you know the MMA then. Obviously, you, you've picked to do those. That's is that was that be like your first big project that you're working on? That you was that kind of like a turning point for you doing that one, then seeing Benedict, and then changing the way you were doing it. That was my first serious portrait project. Definitely. But did you have any connection with MMA prior to doing the project? Uh, well, I mean, I've been a fan of mixed martial arts since the early 90s uh, right. when UFC was it was UFC 1 and 2 and all of them when there was no gloves, no rules. It was a 100-pound guy versus a 300-pound sumo wrestler. And Because uh, the reason I asked, mate, yeah. is because I'm just intrigued. Because I know when I was doing the bodybuilding, and obviously I, I naturally gravitated towards photographing sure. physiques initially, and that was easy for me because I knew the language, I knew how to approach them, because I knew how pe- I would want people to have approached me when I was doing it. But I was kind of thinking, like, if you're not somebody who's actually doing MMA, mm-hmm. how did you go about getting into that world? Because you can kind of equate that to any other world that you're not involved yeah. in. How did you find it to get into that? You know, it was... Honestly, it was just being a, a really big fan of the sport. I mean, I've never trained in any of the martial arts like since I was probably eight years old. Uh, and even then, I was terrible at it. Uh, but, yeah, it's just being a really big fan and knowing the type of work that these guys are putting in, in the gym and uh, the sacrifice that's involved and all that, I really appreciate it. And uh, that's, that's really how I got into it. 
Cool. Because I'm look. I've actually, while we're talking here, through the wonders of technology, split screen, I'm looking at your portfolio on the left-hand side here. Just going through, and I can see your series. Is, um, we've got the, the para-athletes. I remember seeing that. There's a guy right in the middle on your para-athletes, the bodybuilder kind of guy yes. there who's got the uh, the forearm. Yes. Um, I remember seeing you posting that, and I was like, no, that's interesting. Now you've, you're doing that kind of work. But it is all really kind of it's it's very powerful stuff, I've got to say. But one thing I noticed about your portraits, moving away from this, mm-hmm. is that your portraits they just seem. I, I wanted to ask you, how on earth are you getting that expression out of people? Because a lot of a lot of photographs that you have are very natural, and there's a lot of laughter, mm-hmm. especially like the Christopher Walken one. And there's some other folks I noticed that there's a there's a genuinely, you know, there's a genuine laugh going on there. Yeah. Now, is that is there a way that you're photographing them to get that? Because I know in the you know an earlier episode when I was talking to Vincent Versace, how he's getting that. How are you getting it? I'm just really funny. <laughs> it's, it's you're a, really, yeah, you're really honest. Yeah, I'm very honest. I'm <laughs> honest and modest too. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's having the conversations during the session, and through conversation, your subject is able to feel more comfortable with you. And, uh, I mean, some people like celebrities that are constantly in front of a camera, they just turn it on automatically as soon as the camera is picked up in front of the, the shooter's eye. Uh, but when you go on my website, you see that it's not all celebrities, of course. Mm-hmm. And, uh, those, some people do need a little extra time, a little extra, uh, push to feel a little bit more comfortable. And that's when the camera comes away from my eye, goes back to my waist, and we talk. And I want them to feel comfortable. That's what it's all about. And then that's what brings out those natural moments of laughter or a confused look or an emotional look or whatever. That's that's where that comes from. I've, I've got to, I'm chomping at the bit here. You mentioned Christopher Walken. I'm looking at his picture now. The one that's a, in your portfolio there, The the one of the top line, you've got the, him sat on a wooden chair i guess that's his garden that he sat in mm-hmm. yep tell us about the shoot rick i'm, I'm intrigued <laughs> about the shoot yeah. yeah i mean you've done that he's at his house that was at his house which yeah. must have been nerve-wracking going there thinking oh my lord i'm going to his house yeah i mean uh, how did that come about how did you get that job so that was through the new york observer a new york-based uh, newspaper uh and i had been shooting for them for a few years before the walk-in uh, assignment came around. Um, and it was just building their confidence with me and having my a specific style that related to what they wanted for that feature. Um, but yeah, it was nerve-wracking. It was crazy because <laughs> that was my first real A-list celebrity. It was mm-hmm. Christopher Walken, of all people. And it was... I was a mess. I was a mess the night before. <laughs> I slept for like an hour uh we i stayed in a hotel uh near his home uh because i live on long island in new york yeah and he lives in uh central connecticut and uh yeah so i I spent the night just staring at the the hotel ceiling (laughs) trying to envision what this portrait session is going to be like what is walking going to be like how many different lighting setups can i cram into this one hour that we had scheduled with them. Is that all you had? An hour? We had one hour, which is wow. actually a godsend in comparison to other shoots 
there. Yeah, like you said, five minutes, yeah, if that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's insane. But that's what's so important about being able to know what you're doing and not worry about where that beauty dish is and being able mm-hmm. to just nail it right on the, uh, the first few photos. Uh, so, yeah, so I get no sleep. We get to Walken's house uh, the next morning. And uh, while the reporter is conducting the interview in his main house, my crew and I are in his guest house, which is you could fit about two or three of my house inside of his <laughs> guest house. Uh, this beautiful, rustic, uh, log cabin style home. It was yeah. gorgeous. And uh, so we... Uh, so we set up for the SEMA shot, which is the close-ups. Uh, we set up another one by his fireplace, another one by a kitchen window, another one out by the pool. The one that you're talking about is on the other side of his pool. And that looks like a wood chair, but it's actually about a 200-pound concrete chair. That is it really? Yeah, we did not think it was going to weigh that much. It was a pain <laughs> in the ass to move. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, lesson I learned from that one was... Not to try and cram so many different lighting setups in it, into one shoot, uh, if if you're able to, uh, because you're. I was too stressed about what was coming next, how much time I had in each setup, and uh, I connected with uh, walking really well, uh, but I feel like I could have been better if I didn't wasn't so worried about the next shot. Is it like one of those things when you're having a conversation with him, but in your head you're multitasking because you're then also thinking oh, yeah. about what's coming up next, oh, what you've got to do? Yes, and... absolutely. Yeah, my brain was a mush. <laughs> just between us, Rick. This is just between us. Yeah, not the hundred thousand other listeners. No, no. <laughs> was he? What was he like? Was he all right? Yeah, actually, you know, <laughs> walking was amazing. <laughs> okay, because he... he's got that kind of presence about him that you think. Mm, yeah, you know I mean, I mean, I'm not saying he's, he's almost not, like that Willem Dafoe kind of character. You're like, oh, I don't yeah. know what he's going to be like. <laughs> he's definitely got that eccentric vibe to him. Uh, he's a little weird, but he's nowhere near the characters that he plays on Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live or in uh-huh. any of his movies. I mean, it's some of it's there, but not all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. So, uh, I mean, who else, you know, so celebrities there. Is that something now that you're your main kind of push now? Is that your? That's what you I try to get to more of. Sure. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Uh, there's a there's a value in celebrity portraiture. There's a uh, kind of helps elevate your reputation. I guess you can say. Uh, I'm not sure what well, the right I, word I would is. say if yeah. I mean, you see you see a celebrity in somebody's portfolio. It definitely gives you a different feel about them as a photographer. Mm-hmm. Completely to have for a. For you to have had the trust to go and see and spend time with someone of that caliber, yeah, yeah. that says a lot, doesn't it? It does say a lot. Absolutely. Uh, but as much as I do want to continue photographing celebrities for magazines, uh, I mean, there's plenty of magazines I haven't shot for yet that I would absolutely love to work with. Uh, but I'm really trying to get more, like the new focus going into the new year is more commercial and advertising work. Uh, still, mm-hmm. obviously, focusing on portraiture, uh, but I would really like to start getting more into that world. So what, what's your approach then, Rick, if you're wanting to work with I mean, all these newspapers, these magazines, now doing the, the celebrity stuff? What's your approach when you're looking to actually get work? I mean, are you somebody who's old school and you, you have with you a physical portfolio? You'll arrange to go and see an art director and say, look, there you go. This is who I am. This is what I do. Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. that's the... 
in my opinion, that's the most important thing to marketing yourself is having a, a printed book is so important in my opinion, uh, because it's tangible. You can hold the prints. You can sometimes if you just, yeah, just holding the book is so great. Yeah. And so a lot of people are showing iPads around. Obviously they've been doing it for a while now. Um, but photography was built on the print. You know what I yes. mean? Yeah. And I just feel that's really important. Uh, but yeah, so I am still hustling my ass off in New York, uh, getting as many meetings as I can with agencies and magazines and uh, entertainment clients and stuff like that. And uh, just sitting in front of as many people as I can and talking to them, showing my work and hoping I get a phone call later on. I, I did a, uh, I remember at the beginning of last year, I did a photo shoot at a one of the one of the big camera kind of companies over here in the UK and in their studio and that company had arranged like a competition and the person who won the competition could come along on a photo shoot with me I don't know if that's actually a prize or not but they did they came along to the studio with me <laughs> questionable <laughs> but do you know what this guy who came along he was a, he was a photographer you know he was a working photographer what was really interesting was uh, while we're having a bit of a break and I'm chatting to him I said to him um, so if you you know if you weren't here today what would you be doing then and I'll, I'll never forget his answer. He said, oh, I'd be sitting at home waiting for the phone to ring. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah, you can't You'll be waiting that, a man. long yeah. time. Yeah, you'll be sitting on your ass for a long, long time. You need yeah, – <laughs> I learned that the hard way too, to be completely honest. Uh, in the beginning, I thought after going to uh, some portfolio review events, which I also think are really important, uh, I thought, great, I did the work. Sit home. I'll I'll eat some Cheetos and see what happens. And I just got fat. I didn't get any work. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you'll you'll learn real quick that that phone's not going to ring unless you're putting in the the time and the work. Yeah. Technology advancements, whatever, it doesn't make any difference. You've still got to get out there and go face to face with folks. Absolutely. Basically. Absolutely. You have to constantly create new work because if you're still sitting on that one portrait, that one an award or somebody said great job uh, and they come back to your website and or your Instagram and they see that's the most recent thing you've done. Yeah. yeah it just means you're sitting around on your ass waiting for your phone to ring. So does it, all right, so, so you saying that, does that mean that you're always looking to refresh your portfolio that you have online now that I'm like the one I'm looking at? Absolutely. Do you, do you get to a certain point in the year and think, right, it's this time of year that I change it or is it something that just happens as the, as the, like, the year goes by? Uh, it kind of happens organically throughout the year. Um, I try to at least I try to update it at least every few months, maybe every three or four months. I try to move things around, bring in new work, or uh, find something great from a previous shoot mm. that works. Uh, yeah, I think that's really important. I actually I got amazing advice from Arch Driver. A, uh, an LA celebrity photographer for anyone who doesn't know who he is. He's photographed mm -hmm. every movie poster you've probably ever seen and uh, amazing work. Uh, so I was able to meet with Art and he explained the importance of marketing and especially that your website is king. Website rules everything, which should be pretty freaking obvious at this point in 2019. Uh, mm -hmm. but you, you, sometimes you just need to hear that, you know, 
so yes, I am updating my website as often as possible to keep it fresh, to keep you interested in coming back to see what I'm up to. And uh, yeah, it's very important. Cool. You, you mentioned about portfolio reviews there. And that's something that, again, in a recent episode, when we spoke to uh, Vincent Versace, he was getting his kind of like yearly checkup from the neck up, I think he said. Uh, he was getting his portfolio reviewed uh, and his work and all that kind of stuff. So I guess that can, that can be a difficult one because one thing that Vincent said was you've got to make sure that you get the right person to do it because yeah. they've got to have the your best interests at heart. And that's not easy generally to find somebody that you can trust to be that honest with you with the best intentions. So how have you gone about doing that then? So the portfolio reviews that I'm going to here in New York and uh, sometimes in LA is a it's an industry-based, it's an industry uh, portfolio review event. It's kind of like speed dating for photographers where you pay for a certain amount of meetings, uh, 15 or 20 minute meetings, depending on what event you're going to. And you're sitting down across from the table presenting your work to photo editors, art buyers, agents, all these different types of people, uh, the people that I want to hire me. And that's why, that's why I do these. They're so important. Um, you can't always get time in their office, especially editorial uh, magazine clients. It's very difficult to get time with them because they're so busy. So these portfolio review events, that's why I find them to be so important. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're also surrounded by other photographers that are doing, that are in the same hustle that you are. So it's great to see who else is out there and meet people that you've only seen on social media or you've only been on their website or whatnot. And uh, just kind of... <laughs> Being a New York-based photographer, that's almost... I mean, for me, living in the UK, you think of New York, you think, wow, that's like the mecca. Do you know what I mean? That is it if you're going to be a photographer. To say you're a New York-based photographer, that's kind of like, whoa, that's way up there. But is there anybody, and again, it's only between us, mate, is there anybody that's in your neighbourhood that you're kind of... Maybe it's a bit of friendly rivalry that you think they're going for it. I'm going for it. Ah, yes. Oh, man. I got you got it. me on the spot there. <laughs> I can't tell you about everything I'm going to yeah, ask you. I, see, I can see that. <laughs> New York is so competitive that, uh, I mean, for one, the entire photo industry is super competitive. And once you yeah. get to a, uh, a certain level where you're getting hired by uh, these types of clients, it gets even more competitive, as hard as that is to believe. And then uh, you're in New York, where everybody's just constantly hustling their ass off. Uh, no, there's not one person that I'm going to name. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. okay, yeah. So, but yeah, no there's a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> they, some, every now and again, you just get that internal, yes. <laughs> I got guy it. And he I got it. it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's move away from that then, because I obviously the folks listening can't see it, but I can see you squirming. <laughs> we'll move, we'll move away from that one. Yeah, I'm but tell leave. us about um, <laughs> black and white photography, because that's something again that you mentioned about in this phase one chat, yeah. and I and again that that is something that I see that you've I see you doing a lot of black and white. Although now in portfolio, there's a lot more color. I've got to say. Yeah. But black and white, certainly your MMA stuff. I remember that being in all the like the black and white stuff. Uh, there, there was a lot of black and white in MMA. It wasn't all black and white though. 
but yeah, nowadays I am. I, I know where your question's going, but I do see that my work is starting to evolve into this more rich color that I'm trying to experiment with more. Uh, but I still absolutely love black and white photography for sure. I, I just love the the kind of cl how you because you get really close in on some folks to you. That guy who's got the really cool beard on your portfolio mm -hmm. there, the the silver beard, really close, close crop. Because I I could tell, I know I could look at your stuff, knowing you, I know what I I could put, I could point your work yeah, out. That's cool. I, I definitely you, could. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and that, but that's ultimately what, what we want, Absolutely. isn't it? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Because yeah, it goes back to the beginning of our conversation with finding your style and what you're going to be known for. Yeah, because I, I could kind of look at your your work here, and there's not one, you know, like we talked about where you initially drew your inspiration from, Seliger, Leibovitz, and what have you, um, Platon. I couldn't look at your work and go, oh, yeah, I can see that in it. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't do that. All I know is I can see your work and go, that's, yeah, that's lovely. <laughs> it's it's really, really cool awesome. stuff. And Thank it's just, you. it's incredible to see how over that 10 years you've you've changed. Do you know what I mean? It's incredible. But I guess the big thing to come from that is consistency. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, like I said, it's just work, work, work. Uh, keep that camera, keep it, keep shooting, man. <laughs> what about, what about the personal projects? How, again, it's something that I talk about quite a lot. How important, it's stating the obvious here, I know, but I want to get it from mm -hmm. you. Personal projects, is that something that you do every now and again? Do you have a do you give a project a time limit? Do they kind of start and end or do they continue or Yeah, it really depends on the project itself. Uh the the uh the fighters, for instance, that lasted I worked on that for about I think that's around three or four years maybe. Uh the para athletes, that was a year long project. Um, another one that you'll find on my website is the Patriot Guard Riders, and that was that was a much quicker one. That that was uh, two different shoots, uh, two full day photo shoots uh, for shot about sixty people from that organization. Um, can you can you explain what, what that is for for the folks who are listening? Yeah, that the Patriot Guard Riders are a United States based. Uh, organization throughout the entire country and they're mostly veterans uh army uh, military veterans uh but you don't necessarily have to be a veteran to be associated with this group uh as long as you have as long as you're an american patriot and uh, you love your country and all that stuff and the patriot guard writers welcome home our soldiers from uh deployment so back in September of 2009, I believe, uh, my cousin, Ryan Dickinson, was deployed in Iraq, and he came home, and then this was my first introduction to who these guys are, uh, guys and ladies are, um, and we're at the airport, and there had to be at least 60 to 80 Patriot Guard riders that formed this uh, flag line for, him, for Ryan to walk through which was absolutely incredible. Uh, and the smile on his face was infectious that day, uh, just to see not just the Patriot Guard writers, but the 200 other people that were packed into this airport to welcome one soldier home. It was incredible. Wow. Um, and then the, the Patriot Guard, they are also a military escort, meaning that they, uh, they're all, most of them are riding uh, motorcycles, uh, there's a lot of people there in cars as well. They're, those are called cage riders. And uh, 
they escorted him back to the house and where there was a big party and a great time. Uh, so that was my first introduction to who these amazing people are. Uh, fast forward a few years uh, to Labor Day, uh, United States Labor Day. Uh, Ryan was stationed at Fort Hood, which is a Texas-based um, military base. Uh, Ryan was at a Labor Day barbecue and uh, a lot of drinking, a lot of fun and whatnot. And uh, unfortunately, there was a an argument which turned into a fight, which turned into the other soldier who was very clearly dealing with PTSD. He was kicked out of the party, but then came back and uh, he murdered my cousin. Shot him right in his own driveway. Uh, so, oh my God. yeah, it's it's terrible. Um, so, Ryan's body is flown back home to Long Island from Texas. And this is now the second time that the Patriot Guard Riders are welcoming him home. Uh, they stood outside the funeral home, funeral home at his wake and saluted every single person that walked through those doors. Uh, they escorted the entire funeral service out to Calverton uh, Cemetery, which is in eastern Long Island, a uh, military uh, cemetery. And it wasn't until we're in the cemetery... And everybody's, obviously, we're all crying our eyes out. And we're just a mess. Uh, and Taps is playing on the bugle out in the distance. And it, it, was, it was crazy. Uh, so Taps is playing in the distance. I'm crying my eyes out. And I look up for a second. I look around us. And the Patriot Guard Riders formed this massive circle around us, all holding their American flags up in the air. Flags are blowing in the wind, bugles going. It was just the as sad and angry as I was, I was also recognizing how beautiful and powerful this moment was. And that... These people, these Patriot Guard writers, had no idea who Ryan was. Not one of them, to my knowledge, met Ryan in person. Maybe they were at the, the first welcome home when he came back home from Iraq. Uh, but all that they knew of Ryan was that he was a, an American soldier. And that really hit home to me. So six months later, I decided, well, I mean, I kind of decided right at that moment that I wanted to do something uh, to thank all these people other than just walk up to every single one of them, shake their hand and say, thank you for being here. Uh, and the best thing that I know how to do is shoot portraits. So that's when I linked up with, uh, with them. And I, I had to sell them on the project a little bit because they aren't doing this. They aren't providing their quote unquote service for, for recognition or awards or money or anything. They're just doing it because they want to, honor our soldiers, our military. Uh, so it took a little bit of convincing, uh, but that's where the Jack Daniels comes in, and that's where going to meetings and uh, getting in front of, like, I don't even know, 50, 60 bikers in a motorcycle club 
and telling them what I want to do and proving that I'm serious and I'm not doing this to exploit anybody. Uh, and a few months later after that, this is probably eight or nine months after Ryan's funeral uh, was the first portrait session with about 30 or so uh, writers there. And two weeks later, we had the second one. I completed the all the shoots and uh, came up with this series. I put together a photo book uh, that isn't necessarily available on Amazon or anything like that. It's really more just a, a portfolio of the work. Uh, I created uh, the portfolio on my website, of course, and uh, PDN uh, recognized it, and they gave me an award for uh, personal work, which was great recognition. I appreciated that so much. Uh, there was a uh, an art gallery exhibit of some of the work here on Long Island. Uh, that was just two years ago, I believe. And uh, yeah, I got the I got to say thank you, and I was able to provide the recognition that I wanted to bring to these people. Uh, wow! For what they what they do and what they did for my family. I did not expect that. <laughs> I really did not expect that, and that is yeah, really powerful. But you know what? Yet again, it kind of reminds. It reminds me, as if I need it now, with all the things that have happened over the last years and what have you, that how important photography is. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a great way. It was just, honestly, it was a great uh, morning uh, mechanism at the same time. And, uh, yeah, it, it was it was incredible. And getting to spend one-on-one -on -one time with all these different people, all different walks of life, all different... Uh, backgrounds, all different, everything, ethnicities, uh, whatever. It didn't matter. They were all American patriots that just love our country and uh, what our soldiers are doing for us. Yeah, it was really incredible to hear their stories, why they, why they do this. And uh, a lot of them were doing it because their family, their, their kids were in the military and may have been killed in action or their with the military anymore i guess if anything it's, it's kind of a way that they can still feel that connection isn't absolutely it? because the military the folks that i'm meeting uh throughout the pro project that i'm working on which is my world war ii project mm -hmm. and it's trying to trying to photograph as many veterans from that era as we as i can as quickly as i can because you know it's 2019 now that was D-Day was 75 years ago this year. These these folks aren't getting any younger, yeah. and it's it's really important that we capture them. But this is just another stark reminder of how important photography is. And what what's what's really you know I look at these pictures here. There's a really it is a really I think the fact that it's in black and white is also makes it more powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, the way they're holding the American flag, it's uh, that that is that's brilliant. That is a really. It's lovely to hear when people are doing photography that it's not the the most important photography isn't the photography people talk about where there's a there's a beautiful girl that's been posed and and it's all this it's just real real world real people being photographed in real situations. That's what's powerful about this photography. Absolutely, isn't it? absolutely. Wow. Okay. Right. Come on. Let's get off topic. This is um, yeah, man. We're, we're, let's, we're, let's 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 now talk about something <laughs> which I kind of alluded to before we uh, before we got started here. It's something that we ask people. Here okay. Uh, loves and loads. Yep. 
<laughs> now, th- and I want to ask you, and it's it's not done in a negative way. It's kind of if there's anything negative to talk about, it's done in a positive spin. But let's let's kick off with a definite positive. What do you love? What's the first thing that comes in your mind when I say to you, Rick? What do you love about what you do in the photography world? It's it's one of two things. It's connecting with people, like I've said before, having the conversation and just getting to know somebody, and creating. I've always been a, a creative person. I used to draw when I was a little kid. I used to sculpt. I used to uh, do graffiti and all sorts of other stuff. And uh, yeah, so it's the social aspect and it's the creative aspect that I absolutely love. Okay, so it's amazing how many times people do say that. It's it's the social side of it, the people that you get to meet. That that seems to be the number one thing when people talk about what they really do like about this this whole industry. Mm-hmm. All right, so turning on its head then, and again, it can be with a positive spin to it, but thinking about what you do, day-to-day basis, the photography, the photography industry, mm-hmm. and all the stuff that you have to do, what, we say loathe, what don't you like? What would you change if you could about what you do and what you have to do to get to what you're doing? That is a really good question. And I've been <laughs> trying to process that in the back of my mind, uh, but... I mean, it, you were doing you were doing a walking on me then. Oh yeah, we were talking, oh, yeah. but you were thinking. All, ah. my, my brain is mush God, right you've now. got that damn pat you have. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I don't necessarily love the. Oh man, I want to say I don't love the struggle that's involved in freelance uh, photography, but I kind of do love it at the same time because it makes me. Uh, really appreciate all the hard work, all the hours that I put into this, and uh, yeah, it's tough, man. I get, what, tough. I get what you're saying. It's kind of like you have to fall in love. There's work. There's work that you have to do. There's no shortcut. Yeah, I, mean, I hate you just have to love. I you have hate to... contracts. I hate that type of. <laughs> b- I can't call it. B- well, that'll do. That'll do. <laughs> there's the bleep. Because <laughs> some people, it's amazing. In fact, you know what? That's the first time you've anybody has ever said that. No, you know, nobody's mentioned accounting. Nobody's mentioned all that kind of stuff. Most people, yeah, when awful. they say, what don't you like? They'll say, uh, well, the social media side of things. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't That's pick amazing up a, how often that comes yeah, up. Yeah, I didn't pick up a camera to stare at a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet all day to put together a mailing <laughs> list or to f- f- look at my terrible bank account. Or any of that type of stuff, you know. Like, I'm, I'm, I picked up a camera to create and to make portraits and make my art. But it, that's not what it all is. There is the other 90% of your job as a portrait photographer is the business side. And it is accounting, contracts, negotiating, estimating, all that type of stuff. Uh, yeah, I wish I had spent more time with the camera in my hand. And I wish I had an agent that would help or take care of more of my business side but that's not quite where i'm at just yet uh, it will happen i i'm confident in that uh but that's just not where i am right now so i have to deal with it and stop whining like a baby <laughs> there's one thing i want to and i've never asked anybody this and I, but i'm kind of prompted to ask you the question now because i've seen how you have changed and what you're doing has has kind of progressed over the last nine and ten years this might be a corny question, but we're just going to go with it. What would Rick Wenner of 2019, what advice would he give Rick Wenner of 2009 <laughs> if he wow, could? Wow, that was corny, Glenn. 
No, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, what would I tell my younger self? Um, work as hard as I can. Cause I mean, there were definitely times where, oh, not to give up. I mean, not that I ever have given up, but to push through the times where I do get, uh, I do deal with seasonal depression. And when there's a week, two weeks, one month, whatever, of no work at all coming through, just tell myself it's going to be okay as long as you keep on working your ass off and you keep pushing and you keep on creating. And that's what gets me through those types of moments. Uh, I would want that extra encouragement back then. Cool. That's a good answer. I might ask somebody else that next no, time. No, that's only for me, man. That's a, that's a, that's a good answer. <laughs> all right, Rick, listen, where, where can folks get to see? Because I, I type your name in and it just seems to crop up all over the place. But where where should we sort of say to folks, listen, this is where Rick is. This is his social sure. media. So where can people find you online? Yeah, so my main website is rickwenner.com, R-I-C-K-W-E-N-N-E-R.com. My Instagram is at rickwenner. And those are the two best places to find me. I My Twitter is connected to all the other stuff, but I don't tweet. And uh, Facebook's yeah, a waste sense. of time. So, Yeah, here, here. Yeah, Instagram's where it's happening. Absolutely. That's where all the cool kids <laughs> that's where, are. That's a cool table. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, listen, Rick, thank you so much for your time. I know you're a busy man. It's crazy busy how you're kind of – what I see you doing. It's just, just thank mad. You so I know much. there's a lot going on in your life. You know, with Michelle, your wife, you're about to... Yeah, we've uh, got our first daughter on the way. Uh, dun, she'll, dun, dun. I know. It's wild. You want to talk about stress <laughs> as a freelancer. Holy crap. But, man, you, <laughs> listen, you mentioned that. You mentioned you got your face just lit up when you Absolutely, said that. Yeah, you? man, I'm so excited. I'm 38 years old, and I've got 15 nieces and nephews. So it's about time that we bring a child into this world, and uh, it, it's our time. And... We have Good nothing you, but amazing love, and uh, I can't wait. You got a lot to give, Absolutely. you and Michelle. Yeah, we're very brilliant. So happy, man. Mate, thank you so much for your time. As always, a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Glenn. Good to know you. Not at all, mate. Not at all. Three, two. Don't, don't smile at me. Oh, that's just a start. nice smile. <laughs> It's a nice smile, but that it's disarming. That was my professional podcaster smile. That was that should was be. it? Yeah, is that your radio smile? Face <laughs> <laughs> for right. radio. Yeah. <laughs> right here we go. Okay, three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs>